The Orangemen are on the march. The growth of Protestant power. Hello, this is Paul Billington with another edition of The Bible in the News. Protestants have been in the news quite a bit recently, especially those of the DUP, that's the Democratic Unionist Party from Northern Ireland, otherwise known as Orangemen, because of the historic connection with William III of the House of Orange, stadtholder in Holland. The Protestant DUP have now concluded a deal with the Conservative government of Theresa May, which will give them a powerful political position in the UK. The background to this Protestant situation goes back to the time when Charles II of England plotted with Louis XIV of France to invade the Netherlands in order to destroy Calvinism, as Protestantism was then known, in all of Europe. King James was unpopular in England and was trying to restore Roman Catholicism in the country. But there was a coup d'etat and he was deposed. William of Orange was invited to become king and so uh, he sailed for England carrying the English flag with the legend for the Protestant religion and liberties of England I will maintain. After landing successfully and without opposition, Indeed, after being jubilantly welcomed by the British, William marched on London and forced James to flee to France. The throne was declared vacant by abdication, and William was pronounced king of all Britain. The date was February of 1689. In April, the throne of Scotland was offered him, and opposition to William was quelled. Although... Protestantism in Scotland is rarely heard of today, Orangemen have made their mark there also. Almost 50 years ago, when I was living in Scotland, this Protestantism was visible, with graffiti on the walls in Edinburgh reading, No Popery Here! In 1968 we saw a march taking place which was reported as 10,000 Orangemen marched to 90 bands. The report in the, in the evening news, that was the Edinburgh newspaper, read, A blaze of colour halted Edinburgh in its tracks today. It was the march of 10,000 Orangemen to a background of booming drums, bagpipes and flutes. The walk stretched roughly four miles and took 75 minutes to pass any one point along the route. One wonders whether this Protestantism in Scotland could ever be revived. James II had determined to maintain the Stuarts on the throne and landed in Ireland with the promise of French help. Soon he launched attacks against key cities in Ulster with the purpose of making Ireland a launching pad to recover England and Scotland for Catholicism. After Londonderry and Enniskillen were successfully defended, William took his troops across the Irish Sea and landed at Carrickfergus, where to this day is a stone marking the place where he first set foot on Irish soil. James was soundly defeated at the Great Battle of the Boyne on July the 1st, 1690, and Ireland was subdued. This day is still celebrated by Ulster's Protestants with parades and speeches recalling God's deliverance of Ireland from Roman Catholicism. It all seems a long time ago, 
but in some ways the battle between the Orangemen and the Roman Catholics continue with efforts being made to make Protestant Britain part of Catholic Europe. As many as may be seen in the July issue of the Bible magazine, pages 22 onward, the struggle is still intense, and although the battle today is largely political, the threat of violence is never far away. The present struggle is being fought through demographics. If current trends continue, Irish Catholics will soon outnumber Protestants in Northern Ireland. It is the same strategy as we see in Israel, with the Palestinians trying to increase their numbers through the birth rate. But in Northern Ireland, the the numbers of Catholics are being increased through immigration from Europe, and especially from Catholic countries like Poland. In this case, it it could well be the Protestant origin who become militant, we see their political strength at present in, the stand, in their standing firm over their demands in the deal with Theresa May's Conservatives. The Protestants of Northern Ireland are no pushover. Bible prophecy informs us that the Roman Catholic Church and its papacy will be no pushover either. At the time of the end, she is seen as saying, In her heart I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Revelation 18, verse 7. We can expect to see the Roman harlot in a very powerful position at the time of the end. In another prophecy, the great false church is depicted in a different form. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, we read there, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. We are being told that this system is a great deceiver. Deception is the means by which she gains and maintains power. The prophecy says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Verses 9 to 12. Again, in Revelation 18, referred to earlier, we learn that all nations are deceived by her sorceries, verse 23. This ought to put us on our guard. Whether the Apostle Paul writes, let no, when, when the Apostle Paul writes, let no man deceive you by any means, he is addressing the ecclesia at Thessalonica, that is, those who know the truth and who were in the faith. So it was not only the nations, the world, that were being warned, but also the believers themselves. But the great harlot also has daughters, for she is the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Revelation 17, verse 5. The prophecy of Ezekiel 16, verse 44 says, As is the mother, so is her daughter. 
and certainly the character of the Roman Church has been reflected in her daughter Protestant churches. They too have allied themselves with the rulers of this world. So the Protestant state churches are the harlots, while the dissenting names and denominations are the abominations of the earth. It need not surprise us, therefore, to learn that the Protestants of Northern Ireland, the Orangemen, who make such a, make, make much of their loyalty to the British crown, are just as much murderers as, other, as their Catholic foes. The Orange Protestants, then, are, and have been, witnesses standing against the Roman God, the papacy, and therefore answer to the witnesses who are left out or excommunicate from the holy city, Revelation 11, verse 2. They are Protestants, or protesters, but not saints, sanctified by the truth. In the purpose of God, they have a function to perform, and are an influence even in modern Britain making a stand against Rome and against forms of immorality such as homosexual behavior. Their witness against evolution and defense of creationism, as well as their pro-Israel policy, arises from their biblical roots. But it falls far short of saving truth. It remains to be seen if, and just how, God may use this force in the future development of Britain. Join us again for another edition of Bible in the News next week, God willing.